This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And on to another round we go. Welcome into Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside my co-host John Heyman. You can catch us both on Twitter. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at John Heyman. Uh, you can also follow this podcast. Uh, you can follow us on at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate. And review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, um, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Uh, I come to you uh, with the start of this show with a heavy, heavy heart. Uh, breaking news. Uh, right before we came on, we uh, got news, got word that uh, Joe Morgan has passed away uh, this morning at the age of 77. Obviously, a Hall of Famer. Uh, I have gotten to know Joe personally over the years. It, May have, may have not been that long ago that I spoke to him over a telephone call. And uh, it is shocking uh, to hear this news, John. Yeah, my condolences uh, to you, Tony. I know it's a very sad day for you and all those who knew Joe well. I, I had the occasion to meet him once or twice. It's always a thrill to meet a, a player like that. It's just been a very sad time in baseball. I, I heard on MLB Network just now that six players, uh, six Hall of Fame players have passed in the last Six weeks, uh, Tom Seaver, Al Kaline, Lou Brock, Whitey Ford, Bob Gibson, and now Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan, obviously an all-time great. We knew it when we when he was playing. Uh, I'm not sure if you're old enough to have seen most of his career. I, I am. And we knew, we knew uh, at that time that he was a great player. But, um, you know, I think that the war and the, the later analytic numbers really established exactly how great he was at that moment. We thought that Johnny Bench and Pete Rose were the best players on the team. Um, that isn't necessarily the case. Uh, if you look at the war, I think Joe Morgan is ahead of all of them on that, on those great red teams. Um, you know, we just didn't know the value of walking. We knew he walked a lot and we knew he stole a lot of bases. And uh, if you put it all together, what a great all around player he was. He obviously did win two MVPs. So uh, we knew he was great, but didn't realize how great he was. Yeah, 10-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ, as you mentioned, two-time NL MVP, five-time Gold Glove. It has just been a 2020 just has not been good to us at all, especially uh, in the baseball community. Uh, we, we've lost some, some some great ones. Now, that being said, uh, you know, the playoffs continue um, and baseball business continues to go on. Uh, we hear, find out today from the hearing from the White Sox, uh, John, that Ricky Renneria, the manager, is out as White Sox manager. Two hundred and two thirty-six and to three hundred nine is his win-loss record and leading the White Sox across four seasons. 
what's your take on this? This this seems a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, a little surprising. You were hearing some things toward the end of the season um, as they were faltering that it was possible. You kind of doubted it. And then in the playoffs, they just did not uh, do well. Um, did make some funky moves in the playoffs. Um, I remember watching it with a couple friends and questioning a few things that were going on, putting Rodon in a situation that you wouldn't expect and um, crochet, it seemed like as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, it's a little unfair if that's the reason, if it's two games that he lost in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, they've had him for four years and uh, they certainly know him. And uh, that's a very, very desirable job. Um, you know, he obviously did a good job guiding them through the year, though. And very young team. They certainly came together under him during the year and had a very nice year. I think we all expected they had that potential and they did show it under him. So give him credit for that. I, I hope it's not because of two bad playoff games, uh, but uh, that is a very, very desirable job. It's going to be very interesting. Ozzie Guillen obviously already pushing hard for any job. He'd certainly love to go back to the White Sox, particularly at this point, And he certainly has experience. And I think they will look for experience. I, I don't, I would be surprised if they brought him back. Um, obviously, he had a, a bad final episode with the Marlins. Hasn't had a job since then. Um, the White Sox are, are a team that has loyalty, though, and they do have some positive feeling for him. So I can't be. I wouldn't be too shocked. Obviously, Alex Cora is out there, and uh, this puts him in even better position. I think. Uh, I think we think he probably is the favorite for the Red Sox job, but he could be a candidate with that White Sox job. Interestingly. Joey Cora was the right-hand man of Ozzy during their championship run. Uh, Joey Cora, a tremendous, tremendous coach with the Pirates, and I'd like to see him get a managerial opportunity at some point. They're, they're, the core of their team is excellent. It is obviously heavily Latin. I mean, just that's just a fact, and um, certainly somebody like Alex Cora would be would be a fit there, as was Rick Renteria, you know, in that way. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting move. I'm sure as Time goes by, we'll get a chance and we'll hear different things on why this may have occurred, why the White Sox may have decided to go this direction. But you're right, John, this job uh, is one that has some shine to it. And and, uh, and because that core is so young, uh, anybody who can manage these, these this team a little bit further and possibly get them into that World Series area uh, could be doing so for, for a little bit of time. Uh, all right, let's shift to the playoffs because uh, – the Astros just continue to rub it in everybody's face. They take down uh, the the A's in this last series, winning three three to one. And uh, although they lost last night in the first game of the ALCS, uh, they are making it tough uh, on most of the fans and a lot of people in the baseball community, John. Absolutely. I, they do have tremendous talent. Uh, there's no question about that. And uh, the people in Houston are happy. And as I've said on Twitter, people outside Houston aren't too happy. I got some pushback <laughs> from the Houston people about that, even people in the Houston media, which kind of surprised me. I, I would think they'd understand at this point that the Astros are not beloved. Uh, I, I guess they expect that to wear. Wait, wait, you got put. You you got pushback from from the folks from, from Houston media about it. Absolutely, I absolutely did not. What not, was their pushback? Not not Brian McTaggart or any of the Astros writers, but other right. Houston media people who cover the Rockets or one of the other teams in Houston. Uh, they didn't like my tone. I, I I tweeted when they advanced and beat Oakland that everybody loves Dusty and we're all ecstatic for Dusty, and we are on the show as well as he was 
uh, one of our first guests, uh, and he is right, a right. guy. And that almost nobody outside of Houston uh, is going to be happy with the Astros moving on. And uh, they took exception to this. I don't know how they would think that or know that. Uh, they're, they're in Houston, so they're in Houston, so they were part of my exception. But I, I would think that somebody in the media would be a, a little bit more divorced from the situation and not have the pom poms out like they did. Uh, even if right. they cover the team, even if they're covering the basketball or football teams or whatever, uh, it was something to behold. But in any case, uh, I was wrong. Uh, the Astros uh, won both the first two rounds. Both of us, I think, got that wrong. We were both wrong, yeah. We both got that wrong. So give the Astros credit for that. I mean, they've had an incredible number of injuries. Dusty's done a fantastic job, and Correa, Springer, and company, very talented, very dangerous team. But, I, you know, I'm still – I'm still going to stick stick with the Rays, and of course we uh, handed in our p- predictions in a sealed envelope a couple days ago, so that there would be no cheating on this. Anyway, we we both picked the Rays. Uh, we 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 have witness for that. Our uh, producer uh, Dylan is is aware of that, so we're we're up one to nothing. <laughs> but that doesn't mean anything. But I I gotta love the way the Rays are playing. They look like a uh, very deep and threatening team. So. Uh, I feel I'm feeling good about that prediction now. I'm sorry in Houston to everybody who I offended, but uh, uh, that's life. Listen, listen, I make no bones about it that Houston talent wise is as good as any team. They may not be as deep as they were uh, when they went on their championship run, obviously with Verlander out. Uh, it's a different team, but uh, this team talent wise is as good as anybody. It's It's just, you know, when, You've been accused of what they've been accused of, uh, and, and really found guilty of. Uh, it makes it hard to 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 pick them. But in terms of what's on paper and how they go out and play, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise that they've gotten this far. Uh, that being said, uh, Tampa does have a one zero lead. We'll see how that series uh, plays out. Now let's go over a few of the other series that um, that have gone by. Uh, Braves, uh, excuse me, Braves took down the Marlins. They actually made that a no contest for <laughs> it was uh it was a pretty explosive series for the Braves offensively and uh, I think they put uh, uh any questions to bed in terms of how good this team could be in this next series going up against the Dodgers yeah the Braves are a fantastic team they showed that in the regular season and they're particularly tough when you have a shorter series the three game series where they only had to use uh, Freed and Anderson, top two, fantastic with that lineup and that bullpen, uh, tough to beat. So, you know, Cincinnati has an excuse there. Then even the five-game series against the Marlins. I mean, the Marlins, give them credit. What a fantastic ride. What a great job they did. Don Mattingly, who we, we had on uh, early in the podcast, uh, really said he was going to be a – they were going to be a, a playoff team or a contender, and we doubted it, and he was. And they beat the Cubs in the first round, and – that's fantastic, but uh, the reality of it is the Marlins just weren't deep enough. Their offense wasn't good enough. Um, the Braves did have to go to the number three starter, right, who pitched a very nice game in game three against the Marlins. You know, he's going to have a different talent uh, challenge here with the Dodgers as their game three starter, but uh, the question still with the Braves remains is do they have the starting pitching depth? You know, they lost Hamels. Uh, they lost, obviously, their ace, Soroka. Uh, King Felix, who was excellent in spring training, uh, opted out. And uh, Poltonavich obviously uh, was not the same guy. He was sent down to the minors. So they lost four starters. And that's really the difference. The uh, Dodgers' uh, offense is fantastic. The Braves' offense fantastic. Both bullpens are great. Um, 
But I do think that the, the question is still going to be, um, do the Braves have the rotation depth? I think we both, we both got that one right, though, right? Braves over Marlins. So uh, we did okay on that one. But uh, now we have Braves and Dodgers, and uh, we have a clear favorite of the Dodgers. Yeah, no, I think that series is going to be a fun series to watch. That is exactly the question. Uh, the the Braves do the Braves have enough starting depth? Because you know, whatever the Braves have, the Dodgers have somebody on their roster that can counter it. So uh, that's what makes the Dodgers tough. They Dodgers have their own questions though on the back end of that bullpen. Yep. How are they yep. going to manage it uh, as they move forward? Kenley Jansen struggled. Uh, at, at times in that series against the Padres and was pretty much demoted. Uh, I wouldn't say demoted, but there's going to be a conversation had in terms of how that spot is uh, handled moving forward, and that's definitely a question for the Dodgers. Now, in terms of the Marlins, I mean, listen, they, they got some pretty th- pretty pretty good things to be excited about. I mean, Alicantara is uh, 25 years old. Lopez is 24 years old. Sisto Sanchez is 22. Trevor Rogers is 22. Those are all pitchers that had an impact in this playoffs. And you know how it is, John. A lot of good runs start with good starting pitching, and it seems like the Marlins have some lined up. Absolutely. And they feel that maybe the best one, and that's hard to believe because we saw how good Alcantara is, and certainly Sixto Sanchez, who sits at 100, doesn't just throw 100. But they believe Eduard Cabrera, who was not quite ready for the majors this year, uh, may be as good as those two or maybe even better. So uh, they have a fantastic rotation of the future. Uh, They look like they have an excellent, excellent uh, future ahead of them. Uh, I still think they need more offense. I still think it was a a little bit of a miracle this year. They'll they'll quibble with that. It was only only 60 games, but – uh, they, you know, it wasn't just that they it was a rebuilding team that lost more than 100 last year, but they, they also had 18 players who had the COVID and they had, were in quarantine and came back from that. And so, I mean, you got to give them credit. They did a f- great job uh, all around and they do have an, a nice future and uh, we will see more of them in the playoffs, I think, uh, down the road. But for now, I think we have a, a great series here with the Dodgers and the Braves. Uh, I think some people may have underestimated the Braves. Uh, I don't think we did, but uh, some people have, and uh, they could win this series. Uh, They have that one weakness. And as you said, the Dodgers are the best team, but they're not flawless. You know, uh, Kenley Jansen, this isn't three, four years ago. Kenley Jansen, uh, there's some questions surrounding him. They have other options. They have Joe Kelly. They have Brewster Gratterall, who throws 100, but doesn't have much experience uh, so, I mean, they obviously have depth. They have so many great pitchers and uh, uh, starters and relievers that they traded Ross Stripling to get a great prospect. They try to trade away some of their other uh, relievers who are still with them in their in their bullpen, uh, but weren't able to get big prospects for them. But they had they had too much they had too much good pitching. And that's they may be the first team. You, you know, you hear the expression, "You can never have too much pitching." They may have be the first team that had too much, and they. That's why they traded Stripling. But, um, you know, I think people are going to favor the Dodgers, and I'm going to pick the Dodgers, uh, not only because I picked them at the beginning of the year, but they do look like the best team still. They they did beat a better team in the Padres than, than the Braves beat. I don't know if that means anything, but they won 43 games. That may mean something. Uh, you know, they have Betts and they have Bellinger, two of the 10 best players in the game. Uh, obviously, they have Bueller and Kershaw two of the 10 best starting pitchers in the game. I mean, they're, they're absolutely stacked. Uh, 
one of the best teams I think we've seen. And I think along with the 2001 Mariners, who did not get to the finish line, uh, the only team that led Major League Baseball since World War II in both ERA and runs scored. So they had the best pitching yeah, certainly. and the best offense. Not easy. Yeah, certainly certainly a fantastic team from, from top to bottom. You know, on that closer situation, it does seem like Gratterall would be the perfect choice considering the velocity he has. But when you look at his swing and miss rate, it is not very high. Guys just don't swing and miss very often against him, despite him throwing upwards of 100 miles per hour. So we'll see how they end up uh, handling that. We will have uh, Eric Neander on the show today, Braves GM, uh, to talk a little bit about his team's success. We try to bring you guys these GMs that are, have been in the playoffs, and we've been pretty successful thus far. Hopefully we can continue that trend. Uh, obviously, uh, we, we, didn't, we only slightly touched on that Astros-Rays preview because they've kind of started their series already. Uh, we saw that the, the Rays end up getting the game one. Uh, how do you see this series kind of unfolding? Because um, – it does seem like this matchup is, is at least in my mind, is pretty close to even. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're looking at that lineup. That Astro lineup does look better, but I'm still looking at that record a little bit. And it, the Rays did win 11 more games, and there has to be a reason for that. Uh, you know, Both teams have suffered injuries. You mentioned Verlander, but Houston also lost its closer in Ozuna. It lost uh, – Alvarez, who uh, was the rookie of the year last year. Now Tucker has come on and done a nice job there, adding to that lineup. Uh, but, you know, if you look at that lineup, look at the names, you got you feel like Houston's the better team, but you'd probably say that about a lot of teams versus the Rays. Um, you know, they get the job done. They use the righty-lefty combo. They uh, they they use things uh, and, and help themselves win. I mean, it's a little bit inexplainable, but uh, certainly the Astros GM uh, – James Click probably knows about that because he was with uh, Tampa and now he's with Houston. So uh, maybe he's helping out Houston as well as Dusty and and the players. But, you know, I do appreciate the fact that uh, Springer and Correa are terrific, terrific players. And they're showing that once again. I I don't take that away from them. Uh, That doesn't diminish the scandal, uh, the team-wide scandal. And, uh, you know, uh, it certainly put a question over them and they're answering some of those questions. I, I won't say they, they aren't, but um, you know, I still, I still think that the Rays just have this knack. They have a bullpen. They got uh, a deeper pen. We, we didn't even see uh, Nick Anderson in, in game one. Uh, they used to Castillo and he was lights out that one pitch to get the double header on Guriel. And uh, you know, I, it feels to me like, you know, if you Azuna and uh, Verlander are around, I really have struggled. I'd struggle with this pick. But uh, because of the injuries, uh, now Tampa's had injuries too, uh, but not to such stars as Verlander, Ozuna, and Alvarez. Uh, but they've had many, many injuries, and they've overcome a lot. But uh, it feels like it's the Rays' year. We, we shall see. Uh, maybe I'll be 0 for 3 on a Houston uh, series because I'm 0 for 2 so far. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think, I think I, you know, you, you mentioned about the, you, that it doesn't diminish the scandal of the fact that these guys are playing as well as they are in, in the biggest moments of the season. I think that's what made the scandal so absurd in the first place was that they were already right. talented enough to where they didn't need to be doing what they were doing. And that's, I think, what blew everybody's mind about it. 
but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the Rays, I think the most important thing is that they're playing with confidence right now. Like they just beat the Yankees, their their nemesis who who has been bullying them for for quite some time. Uh, they finally got over that hump. And so they come into this series feeling like, you know, the world beaters right now. And, and those are the type of teams that are, are most dangerous uh, come this time of year. So we'll see how this how this series plays out. You're right. The Rays do have the deeper bullpen. And, and, and quite honestly, they got an offense that's putting up runs in, in, in clutch moments. So dangerous, dangerous team to be playing. I think I think the Rays end up winning this right. series uh, as well. Yeah, and the other thing I would say about them is with that bullpen, they, they have the confidence to win a lot of close games. So if the game is close, and I feel like overall their starting pitching is as good or better than Houston's right now. Um, you know, I, I have confidence in Morton and uh, and in, um, in Glass now, and uh, I, I feel like their starting pitching is as good as Houston's, and if they keep the games close, they're going to have that advantage and uh, capitalize and, and, and win those close games. So I'm going to narrowly – pick uh, Tampa and that's the way they win is narrowly. All right, John, it's time uh, for the inside corner. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, who is most likely to get qualifying offers this off season? Yeah, I think it's going to be a short list, maybe the shortest ever. I think it's just a very, very uh, tricky off season. Uh, teams uh, have lost money. I do believe that. I mean, they were certainly on a run of making money all except probably the Marlins uh, in recent years, although now with the Mets ownership changing hands, we're hearing the Mets were a money loser. Uh, you know, I, I'm still I'd still need to be convinced of that, even if I saw the books. But uh, generally, teams make big money, and this is one year they I think they did not. So uh, I think that's going to affect everything in the winter, and we may only see. I, I'm going to say five guys get the qualifying offer. Marcelo Zuna would get it, but he can't get it for a second year in a row. So scratch him off the list. The Braves would like to bring him back, as we heard last week from Alex Anthopoulos. But I think the five guys that should and will get the qualifying offer, I, I'm going to say four are absolute slam dunks would be Trevor Bauer, uh, JT Realmuto, um, George Springer, uh, DJ LeMahieu and the other, the fifth one I'm going to say is going to get it would be Marcus Semien. I, I think there would be no question in any other year, but there's a little question in this year as well that they'll give them that qualifying offer. I think that there are about four other, three or four other guys that are close to uh, and are going to give the team some discussion uh, about whether to give them a qualifying offer. And I think ultimately these four guys probably will not get the qualifying offer. It'll just be those five. That would be Tanaka, D.D. Gregorius, Brantley, who has done very well and is making $16 million. But as I said, we're in a tricky environment right now, so I don't think he gets it. And Liam Hendricks, who is one of the best closers in the game, I think if he was with a different team, but Oakland to give out two qualifying offers. I know San Francisco did it last year and gave – their closer, Will Smith, a qualifying offer. It worked out. He signed a multi-year deal, and they got the draft choice. But I'm going to say Oakland uh, passes on that qualifying offer uh, for Hendricks. Uh, so I would say five guys will get it. Okay, we were talking about the Rays earlier. Uh, will the Rays pick up Morton's $15 million option? Yeah, you know, he discussed this uh, at the press conference yesterday as he's the game two starter, and he said he'll be happy if they do, and if he, they don't, he'll have a decision to make. And I, I think looking at it uh, – for the reasons I just stated, I, I think they probably will not pick that $15 million option up. A small team, obviously a tough year. 
Um, he didn't have the same year he had the first uh, at the beginning in Tampa. Terrific pitcher. He's done a great job. He resurrected his career in Houston. He carried over into Tampa. But uh, maybe if you were on the Yankees, that option would be picked up. But uh, to me, $15 million for Tampa, I wouldn't say that's a probably no. And then he's going to decide whether to retire or not. He's talked openly about whether uh, he, he might retire uh, for a couple of years now. And uh, I certainly uh, think, take him at his word, a very fine fellow. And I think that's a serious consideration for him if they do not uh, pick up that option. But I, I think he'll, on the free agent market, um, he should be able to get a deal pretty close to that $15 million, but not quite that high. All right, John. Uh, one of the bigger questions in Major League Baseball is what's next for Theo Epstein? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, he had a press conference in which he was pretty honest, uh, suggesting that uh, you know he's got another year to go on his contract, and uh, you know he expects to uh, uh, be with the Cubs for that year. But he's not sure after that what what happens from both sides. And uh, I think the reason for that is he came in saying that uh, you know ten years is kind of a shelf life, and he's been there uh, basically almost a decade at this point. So uh, this isn't shouldn't be a shock to anybody. Uh, if Theo Epstein ends up moving on, we, we do anticipate that his right-hand man, Jed Hoyer, probably would stay there and be in charge with the Cubs, but that's not a given yet either. But I, I would say that at this point, uh, Theo has kind of conquered uh, the mountains that he wanted to conquer in, in terms of general managing a team. He's broken two curses, uh, the two biggest ones, Boston and the Cubs. So, uh, you know, I don't see him going to, let's say, another team that hasn't won for a long time and trying to break a curse. I think the most likely scenario would be him being part of an ownership team, uh, you know, just as, you know, uh, Billy Bean is one of his close friends. He's uh, got part ownership with the A's, and now he's uh, joining together with some other uh, big wigs and uh, may buy a team, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I think that would be uh, Theo's next mountain to climb, would be part of an ownership team. Yeah, I mean, he, he's pretty much done the impossible, right? I mean, he's brought the Red Sox right. back after not winning uh, World Series for over 100 years and did the same thing with uh, the Cubs. So uh, I think he is deserving of doing whatever he chooses to do after this contract is up. Uh, let's move to the Yankees. They're always a big topic on this show. Uh, it, they seem to have a lot more questions than answers right now, John. How different might this roster look uh, next season? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think there's going to be some push and pull in the front office, and that will ultimately decide things. Uh, Brian Cashman has uh, been completely in charge to this point, uh, at least in recent years. Uh, and Obviously, he's kept together a fantastic team. He's had only winning teams. He's won four titles as general manager. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame general manager. Uh, but, you know, there's some push and pull in the front office, I think, about how heavy to be an analytically. Uh, he is heavy analytically, and it certainly has helped them in the regular season. Um, then th there is, of course, the team president, Randy Levine. Uh, and, you know, perhaps Levine could get some more say now that the team hasn't won the last few years after changing managers. Um, and I do think, by the way, if you're going to ask me, I do think Aaron Boone will be brought back. We'll see whether he just uh, is brought back uh, on the one-year uh, uh, option, the team option, or whether they extend him. But I do think there'll be some push and pull in the Yankee organization. And it's interesting that Randy Levine is a little bit more like George Steinbrenner, and Hal Steinbrenner is a little more like Brian Cashman. And uh, we'll see exactly how they go in here. But I do think Randy Levine would like to get maybe some more 
spirited guys maybe in the in the dugout or uh, not lean so much heavily on statistics and and look to change the chemistry to some degree and you know at this point with the team not having achieved its goals lately uh, perhaps that could happen uh, to some degree but but Cashman still will have extreme power as he should he's done a terrific job there what are chances uh, Aaron Boone is back with this ball club yeah, I, I, I do think it's uh, nearly 100% that he will be back. We had Cashman on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he made clear that he loves Boone and will like him back for 10 years. I don't know if he's going to get that wish, at least not right away, uh, being that the team was eliminated by the by the Rays before they got to the league championship series. Uh, but they, they, they do have a team option, and they certainly, at the very least, will pick that up. Uh, they may add uh, a couple of years to that to extend him as well. But uh, I don't see any way, uh, shape or form that they could consider um, moving on from Aaron Boone. Uh, he is beloved in the organization and certainly by his main boss, uh, Brian Cashman. Yeah, that's uh, I, I, I have a hard time seeing Aaron Boone in a, a different uniform or not in uniform with the Yankees. Uh, next year. Uh, James Paxton, uh, one of the guys who was on this roster, got hurt. Um, he's probably not going to be back with the Yankees. Where do you think his next stop? You know, is? I've I've heard some rumblings. He is Canadian. I've heard some rumblings that to, Toronto may be interested in, in signing him. I wouldn't be shocked. At this point, he probably gets a one-year deal. Uh, he obviously didn't uh, pitch after his injury came out, but he didn't need the Tommy John surgery. So, uh, you know, he's probably in a situation where he has to take a one-year deal, but I think the uh, the Jays are a likely suitor for him. All right, John, a uh, lot of speculation on whether Alex Cora or A.J. Hance will get another shot in the clubhouse as a manager. What are you hearing? Yeah, I, I think there's an excellent chance that that will happen. I think Cora is in a fantastic position. Uh, he, he may be a candidate uh for the Detroit job and maybe now the White Sox job, but I do think he's the logical choice with the Red Sox, the ownership and the fans want him back. Um, it's up to Chaim Bloom, but uh, it's going to be tough to pick against somebody who won a World Series championship for them only a couple of years ago. So uh, he's in good position. I think Hinch might be the favorite with the Tigers. Um, I could see Mike Redmond from Colorado, Don Kelly, uh, Pirates coach, possibly there. Um, and, you know, there are obviously other candidates. Boston's doing a full search, but uh, I think uh, Cora is in excellent position and Hinch is in very good position as well. All right. Uh, the other remaining and last question we have on the inside corner is this catching market. It has got a little more interesting uh, now, along with JT Riamuto and McCann, it looks like Gary Sanchez and Jorge uh, Alforo could be on the trading block. What are you hearing there? Yeah, Tony, I, th I think you're right. Uh, neither one of them was the starter for the playoffs by the end of the playoffs. Uh, the, the Marlins uh, pitchers felt more comfortable throwing to Chad Wallach, and the Yankees obviously made the call to go, go to Higashioka. Uh, Higashioka had already been the personal catcher of Garrett Cole. Um, it's okay to not be the personal catcher of even a big star. Uh, you know, Tim McCarver was the personal catcher of the uh, Steve Carlton and Bob Boone was the starter. You can do that, but Sanchez was not starting other games. So, um, you know, I, I think at this point, the Yankees might have to investigate potentially trading Sanchez and the Marlins might look at trading Alfaro. Uh, they haven't said that. Uh, maybe they'll stick with them, but uh, that looks like a possibility, and that would add to a catching market, which is pretty good at the top, particularly JT Romuto, uh, the top position player out there, along with George Springer and LeMahieu, uh, and 
frankly, Riamuto will probably get the best deal of all of them, uh, is, is the lead catcher. And then McCann, who did a great job with the White Sox, is the, really the backup this year to Grandal. Um, he's going to get big play also. So uh, it's certainly an interesting catching market, and it's getting more interesting. Well, that's going to be all the time we have for this episode of Big Time Baseball. Again, you can follow myself at Tony Gwynn Jr. You can follow my partner at John Heyman. Uh, you can also follow this podcast at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Once again, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Until next week, we'll catch you then. Tony Gwynn Jr., John Heyman, take care. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.